Thank you so much for joining us today. We're always encouraged to know God is working through new beginnings to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God's working in your life, please let us know. Send us an email at mystory@newbeginningsnj.org. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. How you guys doing? I got to get uh, used to this up here. Give me two seconds. My laptop went off. Usually just hit it. Oh, there it is. Actually, why don't you do this after the... uh, That's all right. I was about to say after the offering, greet somebody. All right, we're good. All right. Well, good evening. I'm excited to be with you guys tonight. How many guys? How many guys were here last week? Awesome, awesome. All right. So I'm going to do a little bit of a review. So it was a real blessing last week, um, Pastor got in touch with me this week, and he said, hey, listen, I really feel like the message resonated with a lot of people. Would you be willing to do a part two? And I was like, yeah, no problem. Um, I'll get something together. So we're going to go with its personal part two. Um, Obviously, I'm really excited to do this. I shared with you guys last time, evangelism is something that's near and dear to my heart, but ultimately, it's it's near and dear to God's heart. And I recently uh, did a Thrive class, which we're going to be doing coming up here shortly, and it was called Knowing God, Reaching Your World. And the first to two weeks was really knowing God. And then the next four weeks was reaching your world. So it really ties in because last week we really talked a lot about not necessarily doing, but really being and how evangelism is really an overflow of our relationship with God. So I really want to hone in on last week. I'm literally going to take five minutes because we got a good amount of time tonight It's going to be real teaching. I'm going to have to stay up here. You got to get used to it um, with this thing over here. Last week, I was in the middle, and I'm used to walking around a lot, and they said if I walk, I'll go off the screen, but that's okay. So what I believe God wanted to accomplish last week and this week as well was simply this, to remind us how valuable each of us are to him personally and how important we are to the kingdom of God and fulfilling God's plan on the earth. So the title of the message is It's Personal. And the reason why we titled it that is because we as Christians need to take the mission personally. So we looked at a scripture in Luke 15, four through six. It says, what man of you having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it. And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep, which was lost. So we see God's heart. He'll leave the 99 to find the one. And I know my sister shared on this one time, God seeks the lost and celebrates the found. And she talked about how my nephew, uh, Michael, was lost in a a park and they shut down the park and everybody shut down because that was the priority at that time to find Michael. And he had gotten lost, but they found him. But it's the same thing with God. 
he leaves the 99 to find the one. So one is valuable to God. So what, we looked at what it meant to be lost. So what does it mean to be lost? It means no longer possessed or retained, having gone astray or missed the way, bewildered as to place direction, distraught, desperate, hopeless. It's really a person that doesn't know God, doesn't have a relationship with him and is perishing or headed for destruction. A person that doesn't know God doesn't have a relationship with him and is perishing and headed for destruction. Luke 19, 10, for the son of man came to seek and to save that which was lost. So that's exactly why Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. The lost can be a coworker, could be a friend, a relative classmate, someone we meet in our everyday life. So if we're gonna remember something, we're gonna remember this. And I talked about this last week. You have a personal and valuable part to play in reaching the lost, each of us. And I'm talking to you as me as well, but I wanna make it personal to you guys. You have a personal and valuable part to play in reaching the lost. So we talked about how it's every Christian's responsibility to preach the gospel, not from behind a pulpit, but it's every believer's responsibility to share the gospel on a personal level. In a, in a very practical sense, we preach the gospel in three ways. Like I said last week, we're not asking you to, to get a megaphone and go to um, Walmart or Wawa, but we do have to sp- preach it with words. But in a, in a practical sense, we preach the gospel in three ways. It's how we live our lives in front of people, the love we show toward people by our actions and with our words. So now we see that it's God's heart for the lost. It's God's heart to go after lost people, people that are desperate. Think about how frustrating it is to be lost, but being lost for eternity, right? So these, there's ultimately to reach the lost, how are we gonna do it? By cultivating two important relationships. The first one is our relationship with God and the second one is our relationship with people. So evangelism ultimately is an overflow of our relationship with God. That's what we talked about last week. That was the thrust of last week's message. Evangelism is an overflow of our relationship with God. And out of our relationship, out of our experience with God, we minister to people. You can't give somebody something you don't have. We hear that saying all the time, but it's the truth. We have to experience it with God. And then out of that, we minister. It's an overflow of our relationship with God. So God designed us to be expressive beings, get to know him in a deeper way, and our love for others will grow and reaching people become a priority. And then we talked about developing relationships with the lost needs to be a priority in our lives. It said that the first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah and he brought him to Jesus. So we looked at the story of Zacchaeus and how Jesus was a friend of sinners. And we talked about a few things in his life, and that's really where we're going to start this message. We're going to be talking about the the piece of reaching our world, getting involved in the lives of the lost. Zacchaeus was a a tax collector. And when we see Jesus wanting to stay at Zacchaeus' house, Zacchaeus was a person that was a chief tax collector. Maybe he felt dirty. He knew what he was doing. He knew what he was doing was wrong in a lot of ways right? They have a really bad reputation in that day. And Jesus wanted to stay at his house. And people were actually persecuting Jesus because it says this man's a friend of sinners, 
right? So Jesus was in a companion with sinners. And when we have a religious attitude, it's gonna short circuit the power of God. So that's a big key. When we start getting too high and holy, that's gonna short circuit the power of God. So we don't wanna do that. So we see Zacchaeus. And an interesting thing about Zacchaeus, the name Zacchaeus is a Hebrew baby name. And that means clean and pure. So Jesus already saw him as clean and pure. So that's kind of where we're gonna start. Like I said, we're moving a little slow with the, um, with the review, but here's where we ended in Mark. And this is where we're gonna start. The first in importance is this, listen, Israel, the Lord your God is one. So love the Lord your God with all your passion and your prayer and intelligence and energy. And here's the second, love others as well as you love yourself. There is no other commandment that ranks with these. And I encourage us to spend time with God and just be that scripture, just be that scripture. When, you, when we love God with all our hearts, right? And when then we love people as well as ourselves, we are gonna be the better fathers, better husbands, better Christians, better church members, better coworkers. That scripture sums up everything. If we do that, we're not gonna miss the mark. We're gonna get it right. So we're gonna start off right where we finished. We're gonna focus on loving others as well as we love ourselves. So, so I made a statement and we talked about the case last week. Developing relationships with the lost needs to be a priority in our lives. And if we're not involved in the lives of the lost on some capacity, they're not gonna be reaching, it's that simple. So if we're gonna reach our sphere of influence, we're gonna have to see things from the proper perspective. So tonight we're gonna talk a little bit about sight. How many people wear glasses or contact lenses? All right. So I, I had you know, great vision and obviously as you get older, some of those things change, unfortunately. And it seems like there's always an added step to your life, right? So literally, how many people took a really long time to get used to contact lenses? It took me so long, like literally it took me 40 to 45 minutes to put in my contact lenses. But I was determined that I wanted to wear contacts. I really didn't want to wear glasses. I will eventually. But I just wanted to get used to contact lenses. So literally after a while, I got used to contact lenses. But my point is, without those contact lenses, nothing in this world looks right. And I was talking about vision and someone in the office started, I handed them a paper and they didn't have their glasses on yet. I'm not going to say their name. And they're like, is that... Dion, Diane, and I'm like, oh, perfect timing. I'm, I'm looking at the message right now talking about sight. When we see things through the wrong perspective, the world looks fuzzy, right? So we're gonna talk about vision. We're gonna talk about sight. I brought up that to bring up a point. Our eyes have to see things properly. We have to see things very clearly. So we're moving a little slow now. We're gonna get into it. There's two things that we're gonna start to look at when it comes to sight. Now keep in mind, glasses off, you can't see anything. You're blinded, right? When I don't put on my contacts, I can't read things. I see the world fuzzy. I don't see anything right. But we're gonna talk about sight in two areas that are so important when you look at the scriptures. Our harvest field and love, right? Two huge ingredients. And I, there's a scripture that I saw years back that just really opened my eyes to love. Because that's one of the, that is the biggest ingredient if we're going to be successful in reaching the lost. So as believers, we must have a vision to reach our personal harvest field. 
So here's Jesus. Whenever Jesus talks about the harvest field, he always just got done either ministering to somebody or looking at the multitudes and then going back to, to his disciples, right? So he says, do not, you say, do not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields for they are already white for harvest. Jesus encountered the woman at the well and then said this statement, right? He encountered the woman at the well, he ministered to her, and then he said this statement. And when he said, lift up your eyes, that's actually a Greek word for optimos, which like opto ophthalmology, which means eyes, vision, and observation. That's the root word. So what I want us to start thinking about our harvest field is start seeing life and our harvest field with a higher vision, with a greater vision, with a bigger vision, number one, but number two, from the eyes of eternity. Think about it for a second. We get so caught up in this life. We get so caught up in what we need to do and all the plans and, and the things we have to do and we have needs, but we need to start thinking about things from an eternal perspective. We need to start seeing people's lives through the eyes of eternity. Even when somebody cuts you off on the road, I've come to the place where somebody cuts me off and I say, before I get annoyed, Lord, in the, in the eyes of eternity, th that doesn't matter. When somebody offends me, right, it's better to walk in love. It's better to forgive. It's better to take that route for the eyes of eternity because the eternity is at stake. It doesn't matter what they did to me at work. Oh, they wronged me. They talked about me. Yeah, there's things that need to be addressed in love. I'm not saying that. But my point is this. Whenever we're in a conflict in a relationship, we, not, we need to start seeing it through the eyes of eternity. How is this gonna affect that person's eternal destination? And sometimes we have to just take it. I, I had a situation years back and this person literally went bonkers on me. I can't get into the whole story. It's actually a pretty funny story. But he, see, he got offended because he felt like I was looking out for the company and he got mad at me about something in the union. And literally we were in a trailer at work and he came up to me and was in my face, cursing at me, screaming at me. And I just, I was so in prayer that day and so in the love of God that I literally said, bro, say all you want, I love you. I said, whatever you say. And somebody came in the trailer and was like, look, I heard screaming outside. I don't know anything, but I wouldn't mess with him. He knows the Lord. And everybody started laughing. And he literally went off on me like crazy. Okay, and years before that, he had had a heart attack and I went to see him and I'm like, oh, I said, you, you forget about the times where I, I was there for you with a heart attack. And he was like going, I'm talking like harassment for like a couple days, but I just took it. And over time, one day he just said, man, I'm sorry. And now I actually invited, invited him to things at church before. And now we actually stayed friends over these years you may say, well, that's harassment, but the Lord just, I, I would not retaliate back because I felt like his eternity could be at stake because he kept saying, you're not a real Christian. And I knew he was just testing me. So those are the things that we need to see as opportunities to show the love of God to people. So if we look at Jesus trying to get our attention, right? So in Matthew, it says, then Jesus went about all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. 
But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the labors are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest field. So basically what Jesus is saying here, think about this for a second. Jesus, our savior, Jesus, who has a heart of compassion and he's moved with compassion for people at the seat of his being. And now he's looking at a multitude and turns to his disciples and says, I need you. That's basically what he's saying. There's work for us to do and I need you. That's what Jesus is saying. And he's saying, lift up your eyes, raise up your sight, start to see things through the proper perspective. So we need to understand that our harvest field is made up of friends, family, coworkers, classmates, acquaintances, and it's gonna be a process. Some people are gonna be watering the seed, some people are gonna be planting, right? And some people are gonna be harvesting. So if we minister to somebody and they don't come to Christ right then, Okay, it doesn't matter. Or if they're mocking. I used to work at Costco years ago. I'll never forget this. This girl, when I used to tell her about Christ, she would literally mock me in the middle of the whole place. Because, you know, you go in Costco, you know, you're, there's cashiers, callers, and I was like a cashier sometimes. And, you know, you have conversations, you get to know people. And her name was Jessica, and I used to tell her about the Lord, and she would just laugh. She'd be like, mock God right in front of my face. And I'd be like, that's okay. So there was like three people there who used to constantly mock the things of God. But we don't take that personally, right? We pray, we believe God, we speak life over them. We continue to sow the word. We continue to sow, because the word does not return void. It's gonna do its work. Now, if somebody chooses not to receive it, that's a different story. But the problem isn't the word. The word always works. We sow the word, right? We sow the word. Now, if a person, the condition of their heart is not there to receive it, and it, okay, that's different. But the bottom line is all our job is, is to sow the word into people's lives and let the results be up to God. Well, years later, somebody came up to me and they said, oh my God, I can't believe I'm running into you. Her name was Jen. And she said, do you remember Jessica, the one that used to mock you? She came up to me and said, if you ever see Tom, and again, this isn't about me. This is about the word. This is about the gospel. She said, if you ever see Tom Carano, you need to tell him this. I was watching TBN one day and I gave my life to Christ, right? We sow the word, we don't back off. I know family members who would, who would be on the, in the back seat of a car when I was talking to somebody or my sister was talking to somebody and they would be mocking us in the back. Oh, they're ministers. Months later, they're Christians. They're born again, why? Do not grow weary in well-doing. We will reap, we will reap in due time. We just faint not. So if we're believing for family friends, coworkers, sow the word, sow the word, sow love, just believe God because the word works. The word does its part, right? Sometimes it just takes time to that take root. Now, is there people who are never gonna receive? Absolutely, but that's not up to us. We keep sowing that seed, their heart becomes softened over time and they come to Christ. So that takes away the frustration. That takes away the frustration as Christians knowing that we could sow and somebody else can come along and water, or somebody else can come along and harvest. There's some stories even within this church of people who aren't here any longer, who I remember, we all ministered to people at different times. At different times, they're like, I ministered to that person, so did I. 
And one day they'd be coming by church and just came in the church and be like, I don't know, I drove by the building, I came in here and we're like, oh my God. But just, and over time, different people ministered to them. So that's the key. We can't become weary in well-doing because in due season, we'll reap a harvest if we faint not. So we must be gentle and respectful when sharing the gospel. Ultimately, people have a free will. We cannot force them, but we must be patient in the same way that God was patient with us. And one of the most powerful examples is really the, the, the story of the woman at the well when Jesus met the woman at the well. So now we see, we, talk, we reviewed last week, the thrust of that was evangelism is an overflow of that relationship with God. We saw that. Then we talked about, um, you know, God's heart for the lost. We just talked about seeing our harvest field through the eyes of eternity, knowing each of us has to take ownership of that personal harvest field. I would almost look at it like this. Look at it like this. And I want everybody to just take an inventory for a second. If your harvest field was a garden right now, what would it look like based on how much we're, we're investing in the lost? What would it look like? I'm talking to myself. What would it really look like? Would it have thorns and thistles and hard dirt or would it be good ground? Would there be fruit? Because it's about the power of investment. It's about investing in people's lives. Harvest field, farming. How many people like farming, okay? Personally, I love to drive by farms, right? I love to, I'll stop. I was just recently in Vineland and I stopped at a farm and just took pictures. It's just amazing. When you think of the, the concept, as long as the earth remains, seed, time, and harvest. It's the power of investment, investing in the lives of others. So what would, what would our gardens be like? And I recently said, I made this thought, man, it would be really cool to grow up on a farm. And I went to a men's retreat with my best friend's church. And I never knew the pastor actually grew up on a farm. And I was like asking a million questions. He's like, why are you asking me so many questions? Like, it's just awesome to think about farming. I love it. He goes, okay, let me tell you this. He's like, we would get up at five o'clock in the morning, work all day in the sun, and I couldn't even eat dinner because I'd be so tired and I'd fall asleep before I ate dinner. And he goes, Dan, we used to have to drive on this little tractor to protect the, the, to protect the harvest. And he's like, I don't remember exactly what he said he had to do, but we'd have to sit there with a can of kerosene and bug by bug, just zap them. I'm like, in the sun, he's like... in. 90 degrees. How long? He'd be like, hours. I'm like, well, maybe it's a little overrated growing up on a farm. Like, I'm being serious. I said, it's not as appealing anymore. But what? it takes work. See, my perception was, I'm in Vineland going like, wow, look at this farm. I'm taking pictures. And then you're like, wow, maybe it's a little, maybe I don't want to get up five in the morning. Seven? But I, it still kind of appeals to me anyway. I don't know. It just seems cool to get up. The sun's out farming. I don't know if I want to wear a cowboy hat, but anyway. So, so we, we got all that down. So we, here's, here's where I really want to get to. We're talking about sight tonight. We need to see people in our harvest field through the eyes of love. That's what's going to do it. The love of God that's been shed abroad in our hearts by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what's going to get the job done. That's it. Love never fails, okay? And this is the scripture that really is a cornerstone of this teaching. Years back, 
I always thought of love as we got it, which we do. It says the love of God's been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit that's been given us. And it's true. Then I came across this scripture and it opened my eyes to so many things. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. So what is that scripture really saying? And this is my prayer that your love may abound more and more in what knowledge and depth of insight so that what you may be able to discern what is best. Get this, this is a key in our lives, in our marriages, with our children, with church members. When we get out of love, we can't discern situations properly. When we get out of love, we can't let others, others' faults go. When we let, get out of love, we can't forgive. If you look up that word forgive, I researched that years ago because I really had to forgive in some areas and I really needed to walk in that and I did. And we always talk about the word forgiveness as holding on to something and we always say we carry around that baggage when you, when you, when you don't forgive you're really carrying that around and, and you're stuck, right? And we hear that, but I actually looked it up in the word. That word forgive means to go from one place to another. It actually means divorce. It actually means the same word as divorce. In other words, we're supposed to be divorcing unforgiveness. We're supposed to be so far away from unforgiveness. But when you look at that, have you ever talked to somebody who's bitter? Have you ever talked to somebody who's not in love? And there's 10 people around and you're looking at each other like they absolutely make no sense, not in a judging way. They make no sense whatsoever. What they're saying is not accurate. Why? Right there. That your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that what you may be able to discern what is best. We have got to begin to see ourselves, the people in our lives, and especially the lost with the love of God. And we're gonna be able to see things properly when we're walking in love. First John 2, 9 through 10, anyone who claims to be in the light, oh, I love Jesus, oh, I love the Lord, but hates his brother is still in darkness. I didn't say it, the word said it. Anyone who loves their brother or sister lives in light and there is nothing in that man to make him stumble. In other words, that man put on his contact lenses in the morning. That woman put on her glasses in the morning. They're seeing properly. If I take my contact lenses off and I don't have 20-20 vision, I'm gonna start stumbling over stuff. There's nothing in that person to make them stumble. It's the love of God that's gonna get the job done. It's gonna the love of God that's gonna take people out of the darkness, right? It's gonna be the love of God that's gonna take people out of the pit. That's what's gonna do it, the love of God. I used to work for Star 99.1 years ago. When I worked for Star 99.1, we had to do a family festival. And, and this scripture comes to light for me because we had to actually put all these tents in a row and we had a measuring stick, right? And they had to go a certain feet from a certain place. And they had to go in one straight line because people had to come to the family festival if you've ever been to one. It was in Ocean Grove. And they had to go straight on a straight line. So we, it was me, this girl, Courtney, this girl, Carol, that worked there. 
And we started putting all the tents up in a straight line, right? And we're like at tent number six or number seven, and we got a little comfortable. We're like, we could do this on our own. We don't need love to discern anything. We don't have to discern anything anymore. We don't have to look at the measuring stick anymore, right? We got it now. We could do this on our own. And we looked up back at the tents and they were like this. Why? What's the reason? What's the reason? Because we started trusting in our own ability. We were not seeing through the eyes of the measuring stick. We were not seeing through the eyes of certain things. Really, if you really want to see if you're in love, it's this simple. We don't have time to go through this scripture. Go to the love chapter, and that's where we really see if we're in love. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love doesn't envy. doesn't look out for its own, right? When you really break that down, you could really see if you're in love, and you could not in condemnation to see the areas we need to work on. So we must allow God's love to change our hearts and saturate our lives so his love can overflow to others. But as I said before, we cannot give people something that we don't have. So our lives need to be rooted and grounded in love. And when we do that and understand that God loved us first, he came after us, his love is unselfish, unconditional. He loves us no matter how many mistakes we make. It never fails us never falls short and it satisfies if when we know and rely on that love for us, it's so easy to minister to others. Because I learned this in my experience and really ministering to people over the years. If, you, if we are insecure, selfish, and want people's approval, even in the world, because we even can live as Christians and, and like the approval of people that are in the world. And what happens is this. When you have that, when you don't have an identity in God and you're not just laying your life down for people out of pure motives, then we're never gonna get it all right. But I'm just talking about having a pure heart where you really just wanna minister to people and you're not concerned about what they think of you or we're not doing it for approval. I was just reading recently where Paul talks about there's people who actually preach Christ out of wrong motives, but Christ is preached good motives and wrong motives, but at least Christ is preached. So we could preach Christ at a wrong motive, selfish ambition. We could preach him, oh, look at me, look at all the people I led to the Lord. We can do that. And when we do that, we cannot minister to people properly because why? We're concerned about us. We're concerned about wanting their approval. But when we just minister out of love for people, it's so pure and we're gonna see people's lives changed in our harvest field. So we need to be rooted and grounded in love, rely on that, the love that God has for us. And one of the greatest things that love's gonna do for us, it's gonna drive out the fear in us and in others. Because it says that perfect love casts out fear, right? So what, a lot of, the, there's different reasons why maybe we don't minister to people. There, there's a, a number of them, we're not gonna get into them. But speaking on love and speaking on identity and speaking on all that, so many times, we're led by fear. What? Fear of what somebody's going to think. Fear of, I don't have the time. Fear of whatever it may be. Fear, 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 fear. Different things try to come on us to get us not to minister to people. But think about this. If somebody allowed that fear to grip them, some of us may have never had the opportunity to, to come to Christ, right? So when we look at it that way, look at the scripture in 2 Timothy 1, 6 through 8. 
Look at the context of this scripture, okay? We talk about God not giving us a spirit of fear, right? And we've always talked about that. And it's for anything. It's for every area of our life, right? Fear of maybe starting a new job, fear of going outside, um, driving alone, fear of accidents, whatever it is, it applies to our life. But I don't know how many people ever realize the context of the scripture is talking about sharing the gospel in the context of the scripture and walking in your gift as a Christian. It says, therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor me, his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God. So when you look, we look at that scripture, it's talking about our giftings. Don't be afraid to walk in your giftings. Step out in your giftings. Don't be afraid to share the gospel with somebody. Step out. It's in the context of sharing the gospel and walking in our gifting. And God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and of sound mind. So the next time that God speaks to you and, and you feel like you need to talk to somebody, Think about this way. Take, we, we've been talking about eternity. Just think about this. In the light of eternity, this isn't gonna matter, right? It's gonna matter if they come to Christ, but it's not gonna matter if I don't have the right words. Whatever it is, whatever your fear is, just say, I'm gonna do it, right? My manager always gave me this rule. How many people needed to make a phone call and maybe you were a little uncomfortable and you didn't wanna do it, right? You're like, man, I don't really wanna confront that person. My manager said, here's a rule. It works every time. Just count back, five, four, three, two, one, and on one, go do it. So when you're out there and God speaks to you, five, four, three, two, one, I'm going. See, I have a, a really powerful anointing in my life, and this is the anointing. When God speaks to me on something, I don't do it the first time. But when I do it, maybe a month later, no, I, I do it some, no, I'm not saying I never do it. I'm like, put myself in a bad light. It seems like the timing's so right. It's like, wow, they're like, oh my God, I was just thinking about going to church. I'm like, yeah, but you told me two months ago. So I think he speaks to me and he knows that timeline and said, if I tell him here, he's gonna tell him here, right? So how many people have that anointing? But, all right, we'll, print, we'll have a, an altar call after. But seriously, I'm kind of joking, but I'm not. Like how many people God speaks to and you don't do it right away, but but in all seriousness, when God speaks, five, four, three, two, one, go do it. Just go do it, right? So we need to really begin to see people in the harvest field through the eyes of love. Does everybody get that? Are you getting it? I mean, love is our filter. Love is our contact lens. Love is our glasses. That's what we need to see life through. That's what we need to see people through, the love of God. We can't stress that enough, the love of God, loving him with all our hearts, loving our neighbors. Lo the lo love is going to do it. Man, we need to become love experts. Doug Jones came to our church years back. I'm going to talk about him in a second. He says, we need to be experts at love. We need to stop as Christians. We need to stop having hot buttons on, okay, I'm not, I, I don't want to get on topics, any specific topic because there's injustices in the world. Yes, and as Christians, we need to rise up. But there's too many things that just don't matter. There's too many hot buttons with that us as Christians have over issues. But yet, 
We don't have hot buttons over love. Our hot button needs to be love. Our hot button needs to be, when we hit a button, love needs to flow out, not judgment, not opinions, the word of God. That should be every Christian's hot button is I wanna love people. How could I love people? Not how can I go out and condemn somebody? Not how can I go out and change their opinion? Not how can, how can I love somebody? When we get hit, with even somebody maybe doing something to us that's, that's not the best thing in the world, what should come out of us? Love should flow out of us. That should be the automatic thing that flows out. That should be the hot button of every Christian, loving people. That should be our hot button. So when we walk, so finally we're gonna end here at this last point. When we walk in this love, it's really great. We're talking about sight. We're talking about seeing our harvest field from an eternal perspective, seeing it from a perspective of, I care more about you and what's right and getting it right than being right. As Christians, we're so concerned about being right. The greatest words you could say as a Christian is, sorry, I was wrong, forgive me, right? That's the greatest words you could say because by not saying that, we're saying we never miss it and we all miss it. So when we walk in this love, our final point, people will see Jesus in us. What, the whole theme of the message is sight, seeing our harvest field, seeing through the eyes of love. And now what's gonna happen? When people, when we love people and we see things through the eyes of love and we have an identity in Christ and we're walking in love and we're full of love, that's gonna overflow to people. And what's gonna happen? They're gonna see Jesus in us. That's the only way people are gonna see Jesus. It's not by, I know we joke around, t-shirts, bumper stickers. It's gonna be through love, loving people the way that God loves us. So when we walk in love, people will see Jesus in us. The way we live our lives in front of people, love we show towards people by our actions and with our words. And I'm saying this right now to not bring any like glory to myself. I'm just saying it because it just popped up in me and I really want to use a particular example. I recently, um, when I left my job, it was, it was time to go and somebody came up to me. and was like, why didn't you tell me you were leaving? They were kind of like joking. And she said, I was like, I don't know. I, I, I was going to tell you, it was one of the managers. And everybody was like so sad that I left. I think everybody should leave a job and then go back because you get all these nice things said about you. I'm like... I'm, I'm, I'm kind of joking, but it's like when you leave a job, it's like, wow, this is great. People, you know, and she said this to me, which is the greatest compliment somebody could ever give me. And she said, I said, wow, I didn't realize that people really wanted me to stay or cared that much. And she's like, how could you not? You're the type of person who would do something for somebody without anything in return. How can they not like you? And that's not about me. That's about Jesus in me because Tom Carano was the opposite cares all about himself before Christ, right? And doesn't care anything about you. And that was one of the greatest compliments I ever got from somebody. And it was, it was, it was so, I was like, wow, that was like so nice. And that's the key. So a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this will you know excuse me, by this all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So that's the evidence. That's how people 
are gonna be able to see Jesus in us is by the love that we have for one another. And it tells us right there, love the way I have loved you so it's possible. God's not gonna tell us to do something that we can't do. So love speaks the loudest to a lost and dying world. When marketing a business or an organization, it's very important for them to market the thing that sets them apart from their competitors and makes them different, right? Love, I call it the identifiable difference. In marketing, they have this term, what's your identifiable difference? What sets you apart? As Christians, what sets us apart is the love of God. When we show love to people, and what does that really mean? The world needs true love modeled for them and showed to them in actions and words. They see it by our relationships together. They see it by the love we show to each other, right? But they also see it by the actions we show towards them and the words we speak to them. So I'm gonna focus on the actions because this week we are gonna have an action step. So it's only when we love others as Jesus loved us that will people will see the identifiable difference. Pastor Mike said this, Pastor Mike Soros, the greatest ministry tool we have is the way we live our lives. The world needs to see true love modeled for them. And they also need to see it in the sense of, so they understand that only God can satisfy their hearts. And when we walk in that and show them that only God can satisfy your heart, it makes them hungry. I went to the mall with my daughter and they hand out samples. Why do they hand out samples? Taste and see, right? You're gonna taste it. Wow, that's good and you wanna buy more. Well, that's what we do, right? Taste and see that the Lord is good. We go out and we sow those seeds so people are like, wow, they get, start getting hungry, start getting thirsty for, for the love of God. So what does it really mean to love? The best definition I ever heard is love is joyfully taking an action that promotes the welfare of another, Reverend Doug Jones. That's one of my favorite definitions. Love is joyfully taking an action that promotes the welfare of another. So let's look at how Jesus loved. Jesus loved unselfishly. Jesus loved unselfishly. Jesus loved deeply and unwavering. So he loved people unselfishly. So our love has to like, be like Jesus, unselfish, deeply and unwavering. And the final two are Jesus loved the unlovely and Jesus served others and ministered to their needs. So when you look at Matthew, he said, you've heard it said, love your neighbor, hate your enemy, hate your enemy, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. One of the true marks of a Christian isn't just loving the lovely, because we could go to work and we could love the lovely. But what about what I just told you about the guy who, when I went to work, was screaming in my face, red-faced? That's when, it's, when you're truly showing the love of God. Now, it's not like you're not showing the love of God, to someone that's lovely, but the scripture says, what credit is it to you? Even the pagans love people who love them, right? Even the pagans do that. And then it says, but be perfect or mature as your heavenly father is perfect. That's the mark we have got to get in in our hearts. We have to learn to love the unlovely because there's going to 
people out there who don't know the Lord and they're gonna do things that we don't need to say, I can't believe they did that. It makes me laugh when somebody say, did you see our neighbor? Could you believe that they did that? I'm like, yes, because I did the same thing before I was a Christian. Actually, I did the same thing as a Christian sometimes. So it's kind of like, how? of course we could believe it. So that's where we need to start loving the unlovely. Loving people who do things to us that we don't necessarily like. Loving people who just don't have it all together, aren't nice. I had one of my uncles that used to be so mean. He used to fight with my father. My aunt actually sent him a letter that was so mean. And they're not here anymore, but they were, he was, you may want to cut that out. But anyway, if that gets out, see, you might want to cut that part out. But anyway, so not on, on my mom's side of the family. So, but I used to love being around him. I enjoyed being around him. I just was like, man, I want to be around this guy. Because isn't, maybe it's just a little hint that people who are unlovely got something going on inside. They don't know how to love. They need, we all need Jesus, but something's going on. We have to learn how to love the unlovely. We can't stress that enough. And that's where it comes, seeing through the eyes of love. Seeing through the eyes of love. Seeing through the eyes of love. And finally, Jesus ministered to others' needs, right? At the, at the um, it says, just as the son of man did not come to be served, but serve and give his life as a ransom for many. When he washed the disciples' feet, right? It says, it was just before the Passover feast when Jesus took the nature of a servant and wa- washed his disciples' feet, right? This is what he said. It was just before the Passover feast. Jesus knew that the the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of God's love. Why, when we serve others like Jesus served others and we live life unselfishly and do that, it's so impacting and it reaches so far, is because that's when we show people the full extent of God's love, is when we serve others. What does it mean to serve? This simple, joyfully taking an action that promotes the welfare of another. Making yourself inconvenience for someone else. And I'm gonna close with this story. I've shared this before, but it just ties it all together. A while back when my dad was in the hospital, I remember sitting in the, in the waiting room and there was, my dad had gotten healed. We were all excited And I remember like rejoicing in the waiting room. And then I sat and I looked and I saw all these sad faces. And I said to my sister, Pam, I said, we're sitting here rejoicing. I said, let's go up to some people and say, hey, you know, I said, yeah, we're excited. I get it. But there's people here who don't have that same power that we have. So we need to go and, and ask them, do you need prayer? So we went around and we started asking a few people, hey, do you need prayer? Why? Because... We need to show people the love of God. We need to serve others and put our own needs aside. So me and my mom were on the elevator and we saw this lady who there was a girl who was in Asbury Park who had to graduate from the hospital because she had something wrong with her brain. And me and my mom saw her mom on the elevator. I said, we're gonna be back tomorrow. And she was telling us the story and we read it in the newspaper. I said, we're gonna be back tomorrow and we're gonna go pray for your daughter because we went to see my dad. And this is a story of being determined to get to people, 
how Jesus was determined and how he goes after the lost and how he goes after the harvest field. And I remember I got all these books together for her. She was a young girl. She was, I think she was like 18 or something. And me and my mom went back and I got this like book on purpose, this book on, on Christianity, this book on healing. And I put them all together for her. I was all excited. And we went the next day to the hospital and we went to this one room. We don't know who she is. Went to this other room. We don't know who she is. Went to this other room. We don't know who she is. We're like, what? This girl's in the newspaper. We're like, I said, mom, we're finding her. I don't know how, we ended up on a floor and I said, is this girl on this floor? They said, yes, she is. Come on in. They let us in, went in and she looked at us just like this. You gotta get this in your heart. And she had these beautiful eyes and she goes, I said, did your moms tell us you were coming? And she looked in her eyes and she goes, yeah, I knew you were coming. I was waiting. And I'm thinking, what if we never showed up? So we prayed for her and it was awesome. We showed the love of God to her. But my whole point behind that is this. It's being determined and lifting up our eyes. Like Jesus said, he's saying, guys, look, I'm looking at the multitudes. They, they're like sheep without a shepherd. They're harassed. They're helpless. I need your help. So we need to have that same determination and lift up our eyes, lift up our eyes, see our harvest field through the eyes of eternity, right? See people through the eyes of love. So in turn, they could see Jesus in us and see the love of God in us. Amen. If you could stand to your feet, we got two more minutes and we're done. I just um, want to end with this scripture. The first in importance is this. Listen, Israel, the Lord your God is one. So love the Lord your God with all your passion and prayer and intelligence and energy. And here's the second, love others as well as you love yourself. There's no other commandment that ranks with these. As believers, this is our action step this week. Still be this scripture, walk in this scripture and show the love of God to somebody in a tangible way. Bake cookies, see somebody in the hospital, call a friend you haven't talked in a while, do whatever. Make, make it a point to be inconvenienced. Do something that inconveniences you for someone else and watch that open up the door so we could share the gospel to them and use our words because love opens up the door for us to share the gospel. So that's your, our action step this week. Thank you. And if you're here today um, and you never received Christ into your heart, Jesus died on the cross for you. Um, God sent his only son to take on our sins so we could be back into relationship with the, with the father. And if you're here today and this message has really spoke to you, but you never actually received Christ in your heart, okay? Come up here at the end of service and our prayer team is gonna be up here to pray for you. They'll pray for you to receive Christ in your heart. Don't walk out that door without doing that if that's not settled in your heart. And secondly, if you need to rededicate your life, you feel like one day I was on fire for God, one day I lived this love, but man, my, my love has grown cold, right? My love has grown lukewarm. My love isn't passionate like it used to. Come up here, we'll pray for you. The easy way to get cold out, right? The easy way, if a love's grown cold, is to get in the warmth, get in the fire, get in the presence of God. We'll pray for you to get in the, in the presence of God. If you need healing, if you need baptism, want to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, come up here. Thank you. I pray that God will open up the doors for us to minister to people. I pray that that love would just flow through us and just overflow into everybody we meet. And we would live that scripture. Love God with all our heart and love, love our neighbor as ourselves. God bless you. I enjoyed ministering to you. Thank you and have a good night. Thanks for listening to this message. We pray that you're blessed and lifted up by God's word. 
If this message helped you today, please consider supporting New Beginnings financially. You can just go to newbeginningsnj.org and click the giving tab. We hope to see you soon.